I usually tell you to uh, open your Bibles, go to your cell phone app or your table app, or you may read the text in your bulletin, but the, bullet, the text wouldn't fit in your bulletin uh, this Sunday. And uh, so if you have your table or your phone app, uh, Bible app on your phone, you might want to go to that or uh, whatever. A word of uh, encouragement. Uh, it's a long text and a short sermon. So uh, you bear with me. I'm going to simply read our text. It's from, it's the entire 10th chapter of the book of Acts. But uh, I want to pick up by reading the preface to it in, at the very end of Acts chapter 9. And we're going to break this up in three segments. Uh, but we closed last week uh, as we finished out the ninth chapter of, of Acts. Uh, and he, Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And if we had time, I would tell you some of the uh, stuff that is hidden in that short verse, uh, large things that point us to chapter 10 and the events there and indeed uh, throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, but we don't have time. So uh, I'll leave it to your imagination. We'll touch on some of it as we go through. And then we get to Acts chapter 10. And I divided the reading into three segments. Uh, the first of which is a tale of two visions. Read with me from verses 1 through the first half of verse 23. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a commander of a hundred troops. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius... And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. 
Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. Just one comment. You make a bad mistake if you think that Peter's vision only had to do with food and with diet. More on that later. Then we come to verse the second half of verse 23 through verse 33. And here we find another butt hinge. For you who weren't here two weeks ago, I spoke about butt hinges. There's one on that door right over there. In fact, I walked over and pointed it out. You can see four of them on that door. And on those butt hinges, that door hinges. Uh, it swings. It swings this way and that way. But, B-U-T-T, butt hinge because it abuts the, the, the uh, frame and the door. But in the Bible, there are a number of butt hinges, B-U-T, hinges, on which swing lives, on which swing history, on which swing your life and my life. And we come to one of those uh, today. It's included in this text. Verse 23b. The next day he rose, Peter rose, and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. And his pregnant silence. And you know what comes. But God... It's the only way you can say it. I worry about you. If you can come to those two words somewhere in the Bible, be sitting in the coffee shop and reading all to yourself silently and not go and say, For God! And then sit back down and you're going to look at you really, really, really funny. But if you don't get that worked up about those two words, I worry about your salvation about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, about your understanding of what God has done in the Lord Jesus. Anyway, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And Peter's life swung on that hinge. So, I underline those words in my Bible too. So, when I was sent for, I came without objection. 
I asked him why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house, and at the ninth hour, and, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Verse 29, remember, began with that word, so. Verse 33, so I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. God spoke to Peter. God spoke through his angel to Cornelius. And so they both did something. They acted on what God said. Make note of that. And then from verse 34 to 48 are the results. And the results were that the gospel was preached to the Gentiles there in Samaria. 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Pregnant silence. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Did you get it? (laughs) Did you do the math? Two visions, one uh, butt hinge, and everything was changed. The gospel had come to the Gentiles, of all people. And the Holy Spirit was the evidence and the guarantor of that fact. Just as he was at Pentecost of the gospel coming to the Jewish nation. And that's all we can say about the text. Except to make four pretty brief applicatory observations. The first of which is simply that God is sovereign. 
And everybody says, oh, we're Presbyterians. We know that God is sovereign. We were raised on God is sovereign. But what I'm saying is God is sovereign, not just in the lives of Bible characters of 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world. But that God is sovereign in all things at all times and is sovereignly acting and ruling now. And wonder of wonders, he's sovereign over you and your life and is using you and your life. You're part of his plan. But that doesn't make you a pawn in the hand of God to move you here and move you over here. And just read about Peter and Cornelius. They are the ones who are active. They're doing things. They're making decisions. They're involved in what's taking place. And so are you. you you're acting so far as you know on your own and yet it's fitting into God's good sovereign plan and all working together, ultimately for good. Second, rather brief, applicatory observation. Things happen when you pray. We call prayer a spiritual discipline. Why do we do that? Because it's hard. <laughs> it takes discipline. It takes work. It takes grinding it out. And it's important. And there's nothing I don't know in that, I don't think, in life that isn't. If it's important, it isn't easy. And it takes discipline and stick-to-itness and all of that. And that's why we call prayer a discipline. So, what were Peter and Cornelius doing when God changed the world through them? Well, in verse 2, you read of Cornelius that he was a man who was continually praying. And then in verse 4, you read that his prayers ascended before the living God. And then in verse 30, he tells Peter, he said, well, there I was praying, and this man in white clothing spoke. I saw an angel, and he came from God, and he told me things to do. And of Peter, you read, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour, noon, to pray. And things happened. Big things happened. The world changed. History changed. The history of the gospel changed. The history of the church changed. Everything changed. Which, which brings me to a message to you guys. You guys and you guys. 
you guys, and you, and every young person here, those of you, every young person here, every one of you, every one of you. What have we been telling you? Your mom and daddy, your Sunday school teacher, your youth group leader, the pastors, everybody. In effect, we've been telling you to practice praying. Keep on practicing praying. Because one day it'll be important. Isn't that the message we've been sending the rest of you? You're the future lieutenant of the church. That is utter, complete nonsense. You are the church. You're the present of the church. Right there, looking back at me. Better than they did last week when I was trying to make an announcement to them. <laughs> Can you imagine this? Anna Grace, may I embarrass you? May I use your name? Well, it's too late now. So Anna Grace is praying. Sweet, sweet, pretty, blushing Anna Grace is praying. She's praying God. Well, she's she Maybe it's clear. We threw out yesterday. Well, I'm nervous. And there's only way to pay it. And she's praying. And God listens. God hears. And God looks down. He says, Well, isn't that sweet? Today is sweet, pretty, and She's praying for missions. She's praying for missions. Wow. Keep it up, man, Grace. And one day you'll do it well enough to where I will listen to you pray. That too is absolute nonsense. God hears you, and Grace. And all the Grace's friends and associates. God hears you now. So you keep praying. You keep on praying. You pray. You keep on praying. And don't believe us when we hand you that nonsense that you're the future of the church and somewhere off in a distant future, things you pray about are going to be important. They're important today. Now I get off that. But things happen when you pray. Every one of you pray. Number three. Bigotry and the gospel cannot, will not coexist. One will always, always, always kill the other. It will do that in your personal life. Inside of you, Jesus came 
to destroy the wall of separation that keeps us apart, that keeps us from being the individuals that we ought to be, that keeps us from being the church we ought to be, that keeps the world from being the world that we ought to be. And so when we read one, that Peter was staying in the house of a tanner, that ought to fuck us up, because that was an unclean occupation. It was a strange place for Peter to be staying. But it also sets us up for what's about to happen. And I don't think any of us in this room gets it. Really understands the depth, the profundity of what was taking place when Peter did what he did. I, I don't think we understand how extraordinary Peter's actions were. He brings in these Gentile visitors and he goes to his house and brings them to his house. And then he goes with them and he goes into their house. You and I don't understand how Verse 28. You yourselves know how, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. They knew we don't quite get it even yet. But God has shown me. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Jesus brought down that wall. And here's the hard thing. I've got to ask you the hard question. God showed Peter Has he shown you? Has he? Bigotry will kill the gospel in your life, or the gospel will kill bigotry 
rather brief, applicatory observation number four. And finally, those who seek find. Cornelius was identified as a man who feared God. Uh, they used a shorthand in the day. Uh, he was a God-fearer. He was a Gentile who was attracted to the God of Jews and who attended to who gave, who gave all who prayed, but he wasn't full of us like the Jews. You think of at least two reasons why not. So was in one, and in the diet, carried the laws were not. And in the but he had come all the way. But he was looking. He was thinking. He was attracted. He was, he was for some reason drawn. I doubt that he knew himself why. God was drawing him. Spirit was bringing him along. And he was in the right place. And he sent for Peter, who was in the right place. And then they come together, and that really was the right place. And seeking, he found. What about you? But if you're seeking, if you're looking, if you're asking, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. And you can do one of two things, I guess. I mean, that's what I encourage you to do. Either one, keep on. Keep on Receive it as truth. To bet your life on it. <laughs> <laughs>
That's what faith is. It's having Jesus as plan A and A no B. There is no plan B. And this is the end of the sermon. And we close the sermon always by praying. It's time when we pray. And at some point in that prayer, I'm probably going to stop and let me pray. The Lord is speaking to you tonight. May we remind you of those baptisms and vows that were said to you by your parents.